0: Joining us for further analysis on what's playing itself out on that market scene is Salil from Anchor Cap. Uh, Salil, so thank you for your time and a good afternoon to you.
1: Pleasure to be here.
0: All right, Salil, so green screens all around, green data all around. Uh, markets really cheering today. Let's speak about all the little data prints that have come out to show us these, uh, the screen performance.
1: Yeah, so probably the most significant was the U.S. CPI data point that we got yesterday. It was 10 uh, 10 basis points, 0.1% below market expectations. And really from the moment we saw that uh, piece of data come out, since then we've seen a very strong reaction from markets. So we've seen in the U.S. last night equity markets really rallied. Uh, treasury yields came off quite significantly. Uh, in Asia this morning, equity markets have continued, to re- have continued the us rally as well. So it's been a very strong uh, reaction to that U.S. CPI number.
0: Another country that released a CPI, of course, a less uh, impact on the global economy, but still quite significant, is the U.K., right? That fell sharply from 6.7% to 4.6%. Uh, this is certainly good news for uh, a market that has really battled most of this year.
1: Yes, yeah, so it does look as if the, we are perhaps past the you know the peak of the hiking cycle generally globally, uh, particularly in, in Western markets. Both the U.S. and the U.K. um, this week have, as you said, have come out with inflation data that shows a really dramatic slowdown in in inflation uh, versus 12 months ago. So I I think it does suggest that we we probably now are looking to uh, pause for some time and the market is actually pricing in cuts uh, from the Fed, for example, um, at some point next year.
0: Okay, markets sometimes ho, jump way ahead of the Fed, uh, but certainly we'll be watching that. Well, let's head to China now. Also great data coming out of there, better than expected retail sales as well as industrial data. Tencent are shooting the lights out. Let's talk about what we're seeing in that part of the world.
1: Yes, yeah, so Tencent today has come out with pretty strong uh, third quarter results. Their revenues were again low double digits. They grew their operating profit or adjusted operating profits close to 40%, 39%. Um, and this is interesting because it's it's being you seeing this kind of performance from a business or a share where the valuation going into these results continues to be pretty uh, it continues to be pretty subdued. Um, they're trading at uh, a multiple of low double digits, 10 cent shares. Um, and if you look at the disparity between Chinese tech and US tech valuation-wise, there's there's a really large gap. Part of that, obviously, is probably due to uh, regulatory concerns, uh, perhaps also growth concerns out of China. But it's it, it does catch your eye when you look at the the, the valuation gap between the two. Let's call them
0: superpowers. And, of course, between that U.S. Inf- inflation print and uh, what we're seeing in China, green screens on the JSC, but also a lot of activity in terms of company news. I'm keen to get your thoughts on some of it, maybe starting with Brait and Virgin Active. What do we make of this, uh, you know, in my mind, uh, maybe as a consumer, very anecdotal. It's the 24-month contracts. They're not working. But, uh, of course, something more uh, deeper that's happening at Brait and Virgin Active.
1: Yes, I think... Uh Perhaps uh, some of us are, you know, myself, I'm not always um, able to get to Virgin Active, so I feel a bit guilty uh, seeing these numbers. But I thought what was interesting is they did flag that there's going to be a 600 million pound capital injection into Virgin Active. um, or percentage of that is about 10% of, of that sum um sorry 60 60 million pounds not 600 um so they are injecting more capital and we do need to remember although they've grown memberships uh i think it's about 10 percent year over year that's coming off a very low base so obviously when covid happened um they took a big hit and we we haven't quite recovered post-covid so we are growing but it's it's coming off a low base
0: also keen to get your thoughts on Woolworths, right? Uh, Woolworths seems to be doing uh, a little bit better since, uh, you know, David Jones and that saga has been uh, put aside. But what's interesting here is uh, what they're seeing in terms of the demand for credits coming from Woolworths. I'm keen to get your thoughts on this. It also looks like consumers um, have moved away from maybe getting credit from banks, uh, looking elsewhere to the likes of Woolworths. And I'm wondering if Woolworths has the mechanisms that the banks may have to uh, be able to hedge themselves against a bad credit, or if it's still maybe a learning um, experience for them as a traditional retailer?
1: Yes, so Woolworths is more of a, or at least their apparel business is more of a a cash retailer than, for example, something like Trueworks, which has a a larger proportion of credit. But when you look at that fashion, beauty, and home business of Woolworths, it does stand out or it does lag um, the the growth that we've seen from Woolworths food. So Woolworths food, again, had decent growth of 8%, but fashion, beauty and home seems to be going through another challenging period that was only up 1.4% year over year. Um, And this contrasts quite a bit with, uh, when you look at, for example, Fashini's numbers, um, although a lot of that, when you look at Fashini and Trueworths, which have also come out with updates, Um, They also do point to a tough South African apparel retail market. And for TrueWords, for example, their growth really came through their UK business. So I think what what Woolworths points to and confirms is that apparel retail in South Africa is going through a tough time now. And intuitively, that does make sense when you look at how the economy is doing and the fact that discretionary spend would obviously come under pressure in an economy like this.
0: It is a very interesting picture we are uh, seeing uh, there. Leo. Also, uh, keen uh, to get your thoughts on what we might be seeing uh, coming out uh, of Sivanye. Uh, Sibanya uh, has come out to say that uh, they believe that we are exaggerating uh, the battery EV demand. I'm wondering uh, what you were to make of this. Of course, they're h- highly invested in lithium assets. And, uh, you know, according to Neil Froneman, it's just going to take longer than uh, we anticipated. Oh, we're more bullish than we should be. I hear when it comes to EVs in the world.
1: We have seen a slowdown this year globally in um, the pace of EV penetration. But I think if you ask people 10, 15 years ago, where would we, where would uh, global EV penetration be in 2022, 2023? Um, I don't. I think people would have underestimated the penetration we have had. Um, now, what the has done a great job of historically is they've been able to identify commodities that were undervalued and uh, use M and A to build portfolios or assets within within that space. So they did that really well with. PGMs years ago, uh, before the last PGM bull market, they've now identified battery metals, things like copper, lithium, etc., nickel, and they believe that's the next area of, of growth. What's a bit more challenging this time is that unlike in PGMs where uh, you didn't have as much competition for M&A, in, in battery metals, you have... The likes of Anglo-American, South, uh, South32, BHP Billiton, Rio, really everyone within the mining complex is looking to increase its copper uh, exposure, its battery metals exposure. So the competition for m I think, is a lot tougher than it was in their last foray.
0: Very interesting times are coming ahead for our mining industry. Leo, I'm keen to get your stock pick in a jiffy, but first, let's reflect on counters that have found favor with your industry peers.
2: I'm going for for mass real estate. So the share price has been under pressure ever since it de- failed to declare dividend at its full year results. Now, there's a quite a few things I need to consider. I'll try to highlight it. But in a, in a nutshell, Mass is in the process of completing, you know, some commercial uh, properties, roughly about six, five more one office. They can decide to can or delay one or two of those. That's option. But and this will cost the region of 440 million euros by financial year in 2025. That's important to understand. But the first point is that of that, about 290 million is still outstanding, and about one half of that needs to be funded for, for its partners. The other half from for MAS. Now this is where uncertainty comes in a little bit. So some investors got a little bit spooked, saying, "Well, you know, perhaps they'll have to fund the bull," and and so. Forth. So there are some risks, but this also creates opportunity in our view to buy Mass at a very compelling uh, price. I think important to note that Mass is still one of the highest disputable income yield companies. Lowest LTV and fast rental growth you can buy in Africa, obviously exposed normally to the Eastern Europe uh, Romania. So we think some patients will be required, and if there's any visibility that the vendors will be reintroduced, you know, that the actual JV party can sell the residential properties, which will reduce some of the funding risk, or the JV, actual JV structure which is also some concerns about can be collapsed or something can happen there. This, I think can argue create a massive catalyst for re over time. So it does have some element of risk, but we think, you know, the balance of probabilities in favour of buying at this price, point in our view. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's why we like MAS at the moment.
3: Today I'm buying Enhouser Busch, uh, the big global beer brewer. Um, we think uh, when times are tough, people will drink a bit more beer. But uh, really, the business case or the investment case is based on the fact that they're going to tier the business. Uh, they already showed that um, the, the path to uh, three times net debt to EBITDA. They're currently at 3.7 times. We think as this as the debt gets paid down, the business will re-rate. This equity will be worth more. Um, plus, um, they've already um, ex- uh, fixed their interest bill out for the next uh, 14 years, so we don't have to worry about the high interest rates. Um and uh, as they as they pay down their debts uh, earnings will rise so you're going to get uh, growth in earnings plus you're going to get um, a nice dividend yield which will rise and uh, they tend to also do share buybacks and recently they announced the one billion dollar share buyback program so i think we think over the next three or four years you get an, an, a kind of a 18 percent per annum return in rands
1: well so that's all we came out of the trading statement today what uh, was a decent set of numbers um you know, they're guiding hips um, of some 86-odd cents for the half. Um, we're analyzing it nearly around 80, and, and the share price is 12 rand something, so kind of on six times earnings. In fact, for this business, cash flows tend to be better. Mm. Um, so it's probably even on four times um, cash flows. Um, very well-managed business, and actually surprisingly resilient. Gaming is surprisingly re- resilient, even in a year like this one and um, they've been able to print out what we think is a decent um, set, set of
0: numbers. I'm keen to get your thoughts on some of those counters. We have Mass real estate, AB as well as zucko
1: Yes, I think a, a very interesting uh, selection. When I think of uh, AB uh emerging markets is quite a, an important geography for them. Um, and in the last, well, let's call it 24 hours or, or since that US CPI number came out, uh, we have seen some emerging market see, emerging markets currency strain. Um, I I I'd, I'd agree with the the uh, thoughts on the deleveraging story. So I think that is a that is quite potentially attractive. Um, so yeah, I thought that was the most or the one that caught my ear
0: the most. And which counter are you going with it this afternoon?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go with, I believe it's the same counter I went with last time, and that is 10 cents, just given the fact that they came out with results today. It is quite topical. Uh, we continue to believe that they can grow revenues at perhaps a low double-digit rate, maybe 10% or so, and that earnings should be able to grow faster than that low double-digit rate as margins uh, expand. And this is a business that's available at a, a free cash flow yield of uh, around 8 or 9%. And that's excluding the fact that about 25% of their, their market cap or the valuation is represented by their own investment portfolio. So we think it's, it's, it has the ability to uh, compound earnings at a decent rate and the valuation is, is attractive.
0: Fantastic. Salil, so, always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Enjoy the rest of yours. That was your Midday Markets Update with Salihudzadzi from Anchor Capital.